Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message. Okay, cool. So last week, uh, Pastor Josh was talking about Joshua chapter 3 and 4. Remember, he talked about Joshua and the people of Israel going through the Jordan and God stopping up the water. And they built an altar there so that for all generations to come, their children and their children's children and their children's children's children would know that's where God showed up for them, right? It was an awesome message, but we're going to have to back up a little bit. So this week, we're going to get in our way back machine, and we're going to go back in time. We're going to go backwards about 40 years, and we're going to talk about the first altar that the Israelites built after they were delivered from Egypt. You ready? If, does anybody take notes? Yeah? Cool. You should take notes. I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth, so I'm really praying something noteworthy is about to happen, okay? <laughs> so let's talk about this. What, has, what had Israel seen up to this point? We find them right now. We're in Exodus 32. They're at the foot of the mountain Sinai. And on top of that mountain, there is a swirling, smoking fire. And God's in the midst of that mountain speaking with a voice like a trumpet. If you're not ready to repent, that stuff's terrifying. So these people are at the foot of the mountain, ready to meet God. Just imagine what they've been through so far. These people were slaves for 400 years, and God set them free from their captivity. They saw the plagues of Egypt. They saw the mightiest power on earth. Its military complex was destroyed. Its economy was destroyed. Its agriculture was destroyed. Its gods were destroyed. Its king was destroyed, all by the hand of the Almighty God. Then that God, when they were being pursued, opened up the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry ground. Then when their enemies pursued them, he closed it again and drowned what was left of Pharaoh's army. Can you imagine seeing that? When they were hungry, God gave them manna from heaven. You know what manna means? Manna means, what the heck is this stuff? They would wake, it, literally what it means, they'd wake up in the morning, they'd go out of their tent, and what the heck is this stuff laying all over the ground? And they'd collect it and they'd eat it. When they wanted meat, God provided quail for them. When they were thirsty, God opened up a rock and poured water out for them. Their shoes never wore out and their clothes didn't wear out. When they were attacked by the Amalekites, God utterly defeated the Amalekites. God had done miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And if you're sitting here thinking all of that stuff is scientifically impossible, you're right. That's why it's called a miracle. God had done wonders for them. If God had done all of this for you, what would you do next? What would you do next? Do you know what they did next? They built an idol. It seems ridiculous, but this is human nature. I'm going to show you in just a few moments. But let's begin here. We're in Exodus 32. We're going to start with chapter 1 through 6. And you've got to understand what's going on. These guys have just been led out of slavery. They'd, they'd never learned to lead themselves. They'd, they'd never learned to constrain themselves. They'd always had a slave master to do that. 
And they're being led to a place where there's a God who set them free and is teaching them how to constrain and lead themselves by submitting themselves to him. So it's completely new to them, right? And every time Moses gets near them, God calls him back up the mountain. So he keeps taking these trips up the mountain. And you got to understand, right now, he's been up the mountain for 40 days. We don't have the patience for a week half the time. And God has had Moses up this mountain for 40 days. And this is where we are in Exodus 32. Let's read this together. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Aaron, by the way, is Moses' brother, and he's supposed to be the high priest of God. What he's about to do is very poor priesthood. And, just a freebie, the Lord calls you and I the priests, his priests. We are a nation of priests. We are a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood. So pay attention to what priests should not do. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. Gods who can lead. You wouldn't think that an immobile, uh, immobile idol would be a god who can lead you. If you have to carry it around, it ain't leading you. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All right, I have a lot of questions as we're reading through this. Here's my first question. Where'd they get all this gold? Aren't they a bunch of slaves? These guys have been stomping bricks in mud. Where'd they get gold earrings? Verse 3, all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold and melted it down and molded it into the shape of a calf. That word molded is the same Hebrew word that's used in the book of Genesis when it says that God formed man out of the dust of the earth. God molded, formed, or fashioned man. God made man in his image. And here we have Israel forming, fashioning a God themselves in another image. That's interesting. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are your gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. No, that's the, what are you doing? Let's not celebrate for that. <laughs> Oh, Israel, that word God, that word God's is the word Elohim. That word is for our God, is not for idols. They said, these are your gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. What, a cow? I, I don't remember that being at the, at, the, at the Dead Sea, I mean the Red Sea. Do you remember a cow when the, when the Israelites defeated the Amalekites? Do you remember a cow when they were thirsty and the rock was opened up? Do you remember a cow? Do you remember a cow being anywhere around when quail came out of the sky every morning when manna came? Was there a cow anywhere present? These are your gods? Are you out of your mind? Aaron saw how excited the people were. So he built an altar. Sometimes our idols turn into our altars, don't they? He built an altar in front of the calf, and then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. He's calling this idol by the name of God. The Lord in Hebrew is Yahweh or Jehovah. This is the name of the true God, and he puts it on the idol. This is your Jesus. That's what's going on here. Now, God and Moses have a great conversation right after this. 
It says, the people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. The King James Version says they danced around naked. This is pretty pagan. They danced around naked. Now, while all this is going on, Moses is up on the mountain, and God says to Moses, hey, you better go down there pretty quick because your people are in sin. And Moses goes, my people? I seem to remember these being your people. One time, one time I came home from work, and Jennifer goes, Zach, you would not believe what your daughter did. <laughs> And one of my kids had found a pair of scissors and she'd gone around to all of, the, all of the sheets on the beds and she'd pinched them up like this to make a little pyramid and then cut them. And so there's circular holes in all of the sheets. And then she went around to all the stuffed animals that had tails and cut their tails off. And then she went around to all of our blinds in the house. You know the string that opens and closes the blinds? Zach Nish, you would not believe what your daughter did. And I'm like, my daughter? She looks a lot like you to me. <laughs> That's exactly what happened here. God says, your people. And Moses says, my people? These look a lot like your people to me. And what happens is, Moses, God is ready to kill them all and start over. You ever had one of those days with your kids? <laughs> I'm just going to kill y'all and start over. Bill Cosby used to say, I'm just going to kill y'all and make ones that look just like you. I'm just going <laughs> to. And Moses goes, wait, stop. Remember your promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So because God remembers his promises to the generations, he stays his hand. Moses comes back down the mountain, and this is where we find him in verse 19. When they came near the camp, this is Moses, and Joshua's with him, because Joshua's his, uh, his helper. Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. In just a second, we're going to talk about why he burned with anger. It means he was hot. He was furious. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. By the way, God had etched these tablets, the Bible says, with his own hand. And Moses got so mad that he took God's tablets and went, Gah! He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it into powder, threw it in the water, and forced the people to drink it. You know what happens when you drink gold? For the following weeks, you poop gold. So what happened to their idol? You could find their false god all over the desert in little gold-dusted turds because that's what God thinks of that idol. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm... This is God's fault. 
Why was Moses so furious? I, I want to back up for just a second. Listen, Israel, before he went back up that mountain, Israel had just promised, we'll do whatever God tells us to do. We'll do everything God tells us to do. It's exactly. We, we submit ourselves to this king. We submit ourselves to this God. He delivered us. We'll do whatever he asks. Now, what was the, the very first thing that God asked him to do? Exodus chapter 20, 1 through 4. This is the very first thing he said. God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord, Jehovah, your God, Elohim. They had just finished pointing to the calf and saying, this is your Jehovah, your Elohim. The first thing he said to them is, I, from a mountain, with fire, voice like trumpet, I'm your God, I'm really big, I'm not a cow. <laughs> I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. Idols always seem to get credit that's due God. We end up giving idols credit for things that God's done in our lives. He says, you must not have any other God but me. How many gods did he tell him to have besides him? It's none, none. Okay, just checking. This is the first thing he said. You must not make for yourself an idol. This is the first thing he said. Of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea except for cows. That's fine. Cows are fine. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. God, 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 God deserves our hearts. And he wants them. I lay the sins of the parents on their children. The entire family is affected. Our idols don't just affect us. They affect generations. Our, our, when we build idols, it passes something down for generations. And it keeps us from passing something down from generations. We pass something down that we don't want to pass down. And we're, we're, and, and we're not permitted to pass down what needs to be passed down, which is faith in Jesus Christ. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey me, which is what I want from my family. The very first thing God told them not to do was the very first thing they did when he left them to themselves. Oh, dear God. You ever do something like this? The very first thing he told them not to do is the very first thing they did. So here's the title of this message, Idols and Altars. Like I said, I don't, I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to give you a list of things that can be idols in your life, okay? Because that's none of my business. And what I don't want to do is give you a list of things that you can make into altars in your life. So I'm gonna, uh, what I'm going to do is, is I'm, I'm going to try to share the word and then ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything that he wants to tell you about it, let him tell you about it, okay? You good with that? Yeah. All right, I have some questions. Here's my first question. Where did a bunch of slaves get all this gold? Where did a bunch of clay-stomping, brick-making, pyramid-building slaves get enough gold to make an idol in the shape of a calf? I'm going to show you. So before they left Egypt, God gave them some instructions. By the way, any question you have about the Scripture, the Scripture generally answers it. If you're just willing to read it, the scripture is going to show you where it comes from, okay? So my question, where'd the gold come from? The scripture answers that. Before they came out of captivity in Egypt, 
God gave Moses instructions. This is in Exodus 11, 2 through 5. He says, tell all the Israelite men and women to ask their Egyptian neighbors for articles of silver and gold. He told them to go to the Egyptians' houses and go, so, so, you got any gold in here? Can I have it? You got any silver? Anybody on the street have any gold or silver? Do you, do you mind giving that to me? And it says, now the Lord had caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the people of Israel. And Moses was considered a very great man in the land of Egypt, respected by Pharaoh's officials and the Egyptian people alike. Do you know why they had respect? Because they were seeing the hand of God played out in their culture. And they'd been worshiping false gods for generations that did nothing. And suddenly a God shows up who does everything he says he's going to do. And it gave them a lot of respect. Exodus 12, 35 says this. So the people of Israel did as Moses instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing. They all got a new wardrobe. We have this image in our mind of the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt and they're wearing their slave rags and stuff. That's not what they looked like. They asked for articles of clothing, articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. You know that God resourced the people of God by plundering the enemies of the people of God. God wants to resource you by plundering hell. He wants to do that. And he, and he wants you to ask him for it. I'm not talking about asking for Maseratis or whatever. I'm talking about asking for the resources you need to serve the God that you're called to serve and asking God, God, there's resources in hell. There's plenty of them. I feel like I need them in order to accomplish what you've called me to. So we have this thing in our head. They came out looking like slaves with all their torn up clothes and barefooted and whipped. That's not what they look like. This is what they look like. This is how they came out of captivity. Yeah, right there. See that? They came out, maybe something like this. There you go. <laughs> A pity the fool. Come on, that's funny. God channels the resources of heaven and earth through the hands of his sons and daughters. And the difference between an idol and an altar is that an altar channels the resources of God towards the kingdom and glory of God. And an idol channels the resources of God away from the kingdom and the glory of God. That is how you know you've got an idol in your life rather than an altar in your life. Does it channel the resources of God towards the kingdom and glory of God? Or does it channel the resources of God to, away from the kingdom and the glory of God? And, and, you know, I know this is hard for some people to conceive that we've all been given gifts. You're like, I don't feel like Mr. T. I don't feel like I've got all the chains around my neck. I don't feel like I've got earrings to give up. I, I, I don't feel like I've got all those resources. Every single one of us are gifted by the Lord. You have time, you have talent, you have treasure, and you have passion. Your affections, your heart, your muchness, the Bible calls it muchness, your grit. Where am I gonna channel 
the time that God has given me? Where am I going to channel the talent that God has given me? Where am I going to channel the treasure? Where am I going to channel the passion that the Lord has given me? And you may be thinking, I don't have, I don't have much treasure. I don't have time. Listen, if God can take a barn and make it into a sanctuary, he can take what little you have and make it into an altar. If he can take a manger and turn it into a throne for a king, he can take what little you have and build an altar. He can channel your small resources into an altar that glorifies a great big God. It doesn't matter. I had a, I had a, a gift for music. I had some talent. And I want to tell you that my original plan was not to channel it towards the kingdom and the glory of God. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. You guys good? Question number two. Why'd God, why did they build a golden calf? I mean, why didn't they build a golden monkey? Why didn't they build a, a, a golden sheep? Why didn't they build a golden dude? Why didn't they build a golden Athena? Why did they build a golden calf? This is really funny because when, when, uh, when Moses confronts Aaron, Aaron says, I don't know where it came from. I just took their gold and threw it in the fire and this thing popped out. Aaron, is that true or is that a story? <laughs> Judah used to be really good at fabricating tales. She was such a good little storyteller. And she'd sit there and she'd tell something and it, and we, it was so believable. It's like, did that really happen? And we learned that she just makes stuff up. And she just say it like it was the absolute truth. And so we learned to ask her, Judah, did that really happen or is that a story? And she'd go, that's a story. <laughs> Aaron, did a calf really pop out of the fire or is that a story? That is a complete lie, dude. That is not what happened. They shaped it deliberately into the shape of a calf. Now, in order to understand where this comes from, you've got to kind of understand the Egyptian pantheon. The pantheon means the, num the gods that they worshipped, right? And there's one goddess in Egypt that the Egyptians built the most temples for. And her name is Hathor. I want to show you a picture of Hathor. This is Hathor. She has, a, she has a son who's also a calf. Let's show this next picture. This is also Hathor. Sometimes in Egyptian mythology, she shows up as a calf or a cow. Sometimes she shows up as a woman. Sometimes she shows up as, a, as part woman, part cow. Sometimes she's a pretty woman face with cow ears and cow horns. She's always got the, the horns. This is Hathor. We have one more picture. We don't? Just kidding. We don't have any more pictures. <laughs> Hathor is the Egyptian goddess of love. She's the Egyptian, she's called the Lady of Delights. She's also the goddess of wealth. If you're going to celebrate your wealth, you go to Hathor. If you're going to build your wealth into an idol, you go to Hathor. She's also the goddess of sexuality. This is why they were dancing naked around the idol. She's also the goddess of dance and song. She's the goddess of fertility. 
For 400 years, the Israelites had been in Egypt. And for 400 years, they'd been subject to their slave masters and the gods of their slave masters. And the very first thing they did when they got free is they built themselves a God that looked exactly like their bondage. If you're taking notes... The very first thing they did when God set them free is they built a God that looked exactly like their bondage. Her worship was called the festival of drunkenness. You know what's sad is, is humans are really quick to fashion God into something they can relate to without requiring any change. We really want a God we can worship without repenting. We really don't want to be holy because it's hard. So they made a God that they didn't have to be holy to worship. Here's the thing about true worship. True worship doesn't build a God in our image. True worship builds us into the image of God. We are transformed into the God that we honor. We become what we behold. So one of the ways you can tell you've got an idol you can tell you've got an idol if it resembles your bondage more than it resembles your deliverer. If, if what you're spending your resources on looks more like what you've been called out of than it looks like what you've been called into. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One of the ways I can tell I've got an idol in my life is it looks more like my B.C. days than it looks like my A.D. days. It looks more like what I did before the cross of Jesus Christ, and it doesn't look very much like the resurrection of Jesus Christ. An idol does not require me to change or repent. Are you guys okay? This is really quiet. Here's the irony, guys. For 400 years, the only thing that Hathor had done is enslave them and murder their children. And the only thing that our, our past did for us is enslave us and kill our kids. Steal our kids from them and kill them. And, and, and then we, and this is just human nature. It's just sin nature. The very first thing God tells us not to do, we do. Adam did the exact same thing. And we end up making something for ourselves that feels comfortable because it felt like the comfort of our past. That's why we go back to our old habits. Whatever it was that comforted me in the past. If my, again, I don't know what your idol was. You want to know one of the biggest idols in America is the one we carry in our pocket. We sit around the living room as a family and we invest more time and affection into the altar that's in front of us than we do the altar of God. Moses made an object lesson out of their idols. Exodus 32.10. I just love this, so I'm going to say it again. He took the calf they'd made and he burned it. He ground it into powder. He threw it into the water and forced the people to drink it. It was consumed, and what is consumed, what goes in has got to come out. Whatever you consume, you eliminate. Their idol turned into waste. When we build idols, they're a complete waste of God's resources. Hello, are you okay? Am I just talking to myself here? We know we've got an idol when it takes God-given resources and wastes them to no eternal effect. Uh, 
Thank you. That's one person. I appreciate that. Listen, I'm not saying God, God doesn't want us to enjoy life. Did you, the majority of what God gave them, they use it on their families. They built their flocks. They built uh, homes for themselves. They did things with those, with those too, but I'm just talking about idols and altars. Here's three signs that I may have an idol in my life. Ready? If you're taking notes. First of all, idols create misplaced faith. They cause me to trust in something besides God. An altar enables generations to remember what God's done. An idol causes generations to forget what God has done and causes them to attribute the work of God to something else. Idols waste our God-given resources. That's why it's so funny that God, that Moses made him eat it and poop it out all over the desert. You, you know what? Nobody's going to go around the desert and strain those turds to get that gold back. He ensured that there would never be another idol made out of that gold ever again. And it couldn't be used for the work of God either because it was tainted. So when I use God-given resources to build an idol for myself, it's so tainted, I can't even take that back and use it for God anymore. It's just wasted. And the third thing, idols rob the next generation of their inheritance of faith. When the next generation was looking at that cow, they weren't believing in God. And when my children look at the idols in my life, it doesn't give them an inheritance of believing in God. It gives them an inheritance of faithlessness. Three ways you know you have an idol. Here was my plan. God had given me some gifts, and I'm not saying I'm the best or anything, but you don't have to be the best. I had some gifts in musicianship. I could play the guitar. I could sing a little bit. I played the bass, um, and I, I thought, you know, I'm going to the American dream. Rock and roll and fame. That's the American dream, right? Uh, Easy girls and hard living. That was my dream. I didn't plan on living past 25, and I wanted to live uh, fun. And so I played the electric guitar, and I was going to use music to make me famous. There's a reason that show is called The American Idol. And you know what? I'm not saying you shouldn't watch the show. I don't care if you watch it or not. but, But those people really all have one thing in mind. And that is making their name great. That's really what they're trying to do. And that's really what I wanted to do. So, I mean, imagine me with back swept hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to hear a funny story? So, um, my parents kept saying that was devil music. So, I had a tape that broke one time. So, I, I, uh, it was a Metallica tape. There were tapes back then. And, and I, took the, I took the tape and I reeled it out and I threw it all over my room and, and I threw it over the ceiling fan and there was tape everywhere and I started screaming, Mom, Dad, Mom, Dad, get up here. And they ran up and I said, You're right, it is devil music. I started listening to it and my, my player just barfed the tape all over the room. The devil's in that music. And they went, oh. And I went, ah, I'm just kidding. I made that whole thing up. <laughs> was that true or was that a story? 
So I was 15 years old, and there's a band called Halloween that needed an electric guitarist for their tour because they didn't have a rhythm guitarist. And one of my, guy, one of my friends was, was a teacher, and he was amazing, and he recommended me to go on tour with Halloween. So I'm like, stoked! I'm going to go on tour with Halloween. Halloween, by the way, n- n- not pure, upholding, or Christ-like, just so you know. They're, the name of the band pretty much says it all. So I'm going to go play with Halloween. This is going to be awesome. Uh, I go home, and my mom, who's a Christian at the time, and she still is. My mom and dad are both Christians. My mom, she's like, there is no way in hell you're going on tour with Halloween. <laughs> Thank God my mom was smarter than me. Because my plan, up until the time I was 23 years old, was to use the gifts that God had given me for my own purposes. And up until that time, that's exactly what I used them for. I used them for my purposes. I wasted, them, I wasted my resources. I channeled the resources of God away from the kingdom of God and the glory of God. But I want to tell you something. Look what I do now. Look what I do now. What a pleasure and an honor to channel whatever resources that God has put in your hands towards the kingdom and the glory of the Lord. All I wanted was to attract girls to myself. And now all I want is for people to be attracted to Jesus. So this is my last question. What did God intend for them to do with that gold? Do you know God had a plan? Anytime God channels resources through me, he has a plan. This is Exodus 25, verses 1 through 2. The Lord said to Moses, tell the people... Okay, this is what's ironic about this. God is, God is with Moses on the mountain giving them instructions. These are his instructions. At the same time, Israel is down at the foot of the mountain using their resources to build an idol that's just going to hurt them and their kids and break their hearts. God is up the mountain with Moses telling them how to use their resources to build a sanctuary so that he can meet with their kids. The Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings. What sacred offerings? Probably those earrings. Accept the contribution from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. In other words, God is not demanding anything from anybody. You know what he's doing? Keep the majority of it. Use it for you and your kids. Use it. Build a house. Go to Disneyland. But when God puts it on your heart to give something to him, that's all he's asking for. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary. Why? So I can live among them. He goes on to tell them, this is what I want you to build. I want you to build a house for me. I want you to build a house so I can meet with my people and be close to them because I want to be with them. And I want you to build an altar. And you know what the altar is going to be? The altar is going to be where they bring their sin and they bring their heartache and they bring their sickness and, and they, they bring their brokenness and I'm gonna heal them at the altar. And I'm gonna restore them at the altar. I'm gonna deliver them at the altar. I'm gonna forgive them at the altar. And I want, I want, 
I want you to take their gold and build me an altar of incense. And at the altar of incense, I'm going to hear their prayers and they're going to hear my voice. And I want you to build an ark, an ark, which is going to be like a throne. And my glory is going to come right there among the people. And it's going to be 10 times better than a cow. Exodus 29, 42 through 46. God says these burnt offerings are to be made each day from generation to generation. God's talking about their kids and their kids' kids and their kids' kids' kids. God cares about the inheritance of generations. Offer them in the Lord's presence at the tabernacle entrance. There I'll meet with you and I'll speak to you. I'll meet the people of Israel there in the place made holy by my glorious presence. I'll meet you there. I'll speak with you there. God had a plan. You know know what God's plan was? God's plan was to give Israel himself. That was God's plan. God's plan for those resources were for them to build altars, which were going to be places where God showed up and met with them, showed up and spoke with them. They used their resources that God had given them and channeled them away from the kingdom and the glory of God. You cannot meet Jesus through an idol. At the very same time they were doing that, God was giving Moses instructions for them to use those very same resources to build an altar where he could meet with their kids and heal their families, where he could put back together broken marriages and relationships, where he could forgive sin. God wanted to give them himself. Altars give the next generation the gift of Jesus. Now, I wanna, I've told you this before, but I just want to tell you one of the things that that Jen and I did with one of the resources that he'd given us. So I'd been, before I was saved, writing songs about stupid stuff, just complete waste, nothing useful at all. And after I got saved, one day I was worshiping Jesus and I was walking around the sanctuary and I was praying and I was so moved in my heart. I was so jealous of Moses who talked with God face to face. I was jealous of of David. The Lord said that David had a heart after God's. I was so jealous of that. I was thinking through all the people I was jealous of in the Bible. John, who laid back against the chest of Jesus and heard the heartbeat of God. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I was so jealous I started to cry. I'm just so jealous I cried. I cry sometimes. But I had work to do, so I got up and I went to the copier because I had to make, at the time, we had uh, overheads. I've told you this before, but I had to make a projection sheet for the song we were going to use. Remember the projectors that shine light back up? No, I'm, I'm old. So I had to go into the copy room to make to make a projection sheet. And while I was standing there at the copier, I felt fluttering over my head. It felt like there was a bird trying to land on my head and a song popped into my head. And I ran out and I picked up my guitar and I started playing the song and it was a song of worship. It was, it was, the Lord has given me the gift of salvation, the gift of a wife, the gift of children. Every now and then he gives us other gifts. He gave me the gift of a song. And it was the first song that I ever got to record. So when I recorded this song, Jen and I prayed about it and really felt like this is first fruits. What you do with first things matters. 
And I could either use this to, be, to become famous and to make a name for myself, or I could use this as an altar that provides an opportunity for the next generation to know Jesus. And so I, just, I decided, Jen and I, as we were praying, to not touch any of it. And so we gave it, uh, we gave it away. I have no idea how much money that song has made, but we gave it to a place called Sower of Seeds. Sower of Seeds rescues children out of sex trafficking. There are little girls in India who are kept in cages like dogs and men come and they pay a pittance to pull them out of the, out of the cages and have their way with them. I met a little boy who was thrown down a well by his prostitute mother because she couldn't keep him. And Sower of Seeds rescued him from the well. Sower of Seeds built a house for prostitutes who were receiving Jesus. And just seeing the, the smiles on their faces, the looks on their faces, knowing that there's a resource that God put in my hands that because I channeled it towards his kingdom and his glory sets captives at liberty, sets slaves free who are even in worse situations and conditions than my heart was in. That song became an altar so that another generation could meet Jesus. Isn't that cool? You know what we did? We, we, had a, we had a CD that we made, and it was doing okay in America. It wasn't doing great, but we took all the proceeds, and we gave it to, to a church in Brazil. And we just let them use all the tracks, and they recorded Portuguese lyrics over all the tracks. And then we told them, you can do whatever you want. And you know what they did? They went into the Amazon rainforest, and there were people in the Amazon rainforest who didn't know any better than to sell their children for the price of a cheap phone. And they would sell their children into sex trafficking and into slavery, and then they'd go out and buy some cheap little trinket. They took the proceeds from this recording, and they, they built, they built a, a rec center, a community center, in the middle of the Amazon rainforest. And then they went around with the money, and they bought everybody's children. Then they led them all to the Lord, and when they learned to value their own inheritance, and followed Jesus, they gave them their kids back. That is an altar that leads another generation to meet Jesus Christ. This is what I'm, this is what I'm asking us to do. What resources has the Lord put in your hands? And what's he asking you to challenge him, to, to channel them towards? Did you know that we have an altar right here at Unite Church? You know, this is the gym. Did you know that? This was not ever supposed to be the sanctuary. It's a sanctuary because we're worshiping Jesus and Jesus shows up. It's become a sanctuary, but that's not what this is for. This is actually a gym. There used to be a sanctuary over there and it got caved in with too much snow. Do you know that we're building, building a sanctuary over there again? Can, can, I, can I show some of these pictures? Look at that. I know that there's people in here that don't want this church to get any bigger, and I love you, but Jesus cares about people coming into his house. 
Jesus cares about our neighbors and our family members being saved. Jesus doesn't want his house less, less full. He wants his house more full. Look at this. We have an altar right here. Go to the next one. Look at that. Do you know all over the, all over the walls, people have written scriptures. All over the walls, people have wit, written remembrances. Look at this. We remember. Go back to that real quick. We remember, love and miss you, Dick and Carol Benjamin, Bev Struts, Tom and Mary Edmondson. They're remembering their fathers and mothers who came before them and laid the foundations of this altar. Yeah. They're remembering. Go to another one. Thanking those who came before us and established the foundation for Unite. Stu and Casey Miller, Dick and Carol B, Jim and Carol and Brand, Dick and Beverly S. Look at that list of names. These are people who took off their earrings and gave them for something better than an idol. They channeled their resources not towards idols, not away from the kingdom and the glory of God, but they channeled their resources towards the kingdom and the glory of God. Go to the other one. This is Exodus 25, 8 through 9. Somebody wrote this right on the platform, right on the stage where worship would happen. It says, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. I want that. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. I want that. Go to the next one. Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what I would love to do? I would love to open that room back up again, and I would love to take everybody in here and have us all fast for a week and decide what the Lord wants us to, to claim, what promises in the word that we want, what remembrances he wants us to write down. And I'd like to go in there and scribble all over that place. I want to write the songs of ascent up and down the staircases. I want to make sure the pillars have the names of God on them. I want to make sure that that place has your remembrances all over it. I would love to have a service in there that's a dedication for a new sanctuary and a new altar. I don't know how long it's going to take to build, but I know this. We have things right here that are worth channeling our resources towards. And not just for this generation, for our children's generation and for our grandchildren's generation because that's what altars do. Are you okay? Am I with you? Are you with me? I want to read one more scripture. This is Exodus 20, verse 24. This is a promise from God. Build for me an altar made of earth and offer your sacrifices to me. Build my altar wherever I cause my name to be remembered and I will come to you and bless you. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Spirit, what are you saying to me? Here's a good question to ask him. Lord, what resources 
do you want to channel through my hands? Lord, talk to me about my time, my talent, my treasure, my affection. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.